Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland News and Media podcast looking at what's been going on in the world of sport around the Highlands this week. I'm Andrew Henderson and as usual I'm joined by Will Clark. Well before we get into any of the sports chat, how are you doing? It's been a busy week hasn't it? It's been a really busy week but that's how we like it Hendo. <laughs> it's been good. The Cali Thistle are top of the championship, the transfer window shut, there's derbies in football and rugby which is back. But before we get to any of those things, well, you've been keeping an eye on something over the last day or two. Congratulations to Finn Graham, double Paralympic Games medalist, two silver medals in the space of seven days. Absolutely delighted for him. He's realised his potential and he's now Sametti's place is one of the top paracyclists in the world at just 21 years old. I am absolutely stoked for this boy. Yeah, it's well deserved. You were up really early to watch it yesterday morning, weren't you? Aye, I might as well not go to bed. I did ask the company if they'd send me to Japan. They said no. But at the same time, I wouldn't have been allowed anyway because of the pandemic. So There is that. Although reporters must still have gotten in. There's no fans. Of course, yeah, there was media accreditation. Yeah, it's a shame I didn't get a go. But anyway, <laughs> it's done now. Finn's coming home on Saturday. So what a story, not just for disabled sport in the Highlands, but for sport in the Highlands in general. What an inspiration this boy's going to be. You know, uh, I spoke to his mum, Dee. Thanks very much. Much appreciated. Because I know that uh, you were also watching it in the early hours of the morning. She's actually spoken to Finn as well, who is just delighted with what he's achieved. Uh, two silver medals. Almost won a third medal on Tuesday as well. He was three seconds off winning a bronze in the time trial. But listen, you're 21 years old. You've gone to the biggest stage of your sport and you've come away with two silver medals. And all the analysts are saying at just 21 years old, he's only going to get even better. So goodness knows what he's going to achieve at Paris 2024. Uh, Go for gold. But he's the silver darling of Highland sport as far as I'm concerned. You mentioned his age there. I think I, I made the point when he was announced as going to the Paralympics at 21. This is only the beginning. You're talking about Paris in a few years' time. But he could have another potentially three, four Paralympics ahead of him if he keeps at it the way he is. He was far and away the youngest member of the squad this time out in Tokyo. So to come away with two medals coming close to three, it's just an amazingly good news story. And it's fantastic to have those. Go back to the velodrome last week when he was competed in the 3,000 metres individual pursuit. It shouldn't be forgotten, he actually broke the world record in the semi-final. He only had it for a matter of minutes, unfortunately, before uh, Jakob van Gass uh, broke it. He had some good fun with that on his social media, though, to be fair. Oh, I know. You know, fair play to Finn. He, he, it was great banter from him. who held the world record for a few minutes. <laughs> but I think it'd be fair to say... His bigger strength is on the road rather than the velodrome. And yet he came second in that event on the track. And he actually was only a second away from Jakob van Gaas in the velodrome. I was speaking to his mum this morning. And the one thing they're taking away from it is overall disciplines, with the exception of maybe Sarah Story, the female cyclist who's won a record-breaking amount of medals, he's probably the most consistent cycler across all disciplines in the British squad, you know. You know, Jakob van Gaas, gold medalist, but he specialises in track. Ben Watson, gold medal, but he's a road specialist. 
overall, Finn Graham winning medals on the track, winning medals on the road. He's seen as an all-rounder, and for a 21-year-old, that's just incredible. That's the one thing they're taking away from it, as well as the medals. <laughs> it's a nice bonus, isn't it? But uh, he just he just seems to be enjoying it so much. I saw one tweet from uh, somebody, I think, who works for British Cycling down in Manchester, just saying he's having the time of his life. And, you know, that enthusiasm, he, he clearly wants to be on the track and on the road. He's obviously doing really well at it. And like you say, he's only going to get better. The sky really is the limit for him because at the minute, there doesn't really seem to be any sort of drawback. And it's just fantastic. Yeah, he, he'll get the funding for the next three years now because of his performances in Japan because British Cycling will just take a look at his performances and say, you know, this guy can go even better in Paris in 2024. And anyone that knows Finn Graham, you better believe he's going for gold in 2024 now. The next time he comes on the show which uh, I'm confident he will. He'll tell us exactly that. But yeah, listen, this is a story that should be celebrated in Highland Sport. And we're certainly celebrating it anyway. Yeah, I, I was delighted to wake up and see the news that he'd won a silver medal yesterday morning. Like you say, I'm sure we'll get him back on the show once he's back from Japan, just to go over his experiences and what he made of it and what his future ambitions will be 100%. He's, he's a potential superstar for British cycling if everything goes to plan. Well, shall we talk about some potential success as well? Because things are looking really good for Cali Thistle right now as well. What a result on Saturday against Kilmarnock. Another 1-0. <laughs> Do they care? No, they won. They're 4 out of 4. They're 12 out of 12. And they're three points ahead of the chasing pack. And if you saw them during the League Cup, who saw that coming? Who would have thought they wouldn't have conceded a goal at this point in the league? Yeah, I've been really impressed with Carrick Broadfoot and Danny Devine as a centre-back pairing, to be fair. They were really solid against Kilmarnock on uh, Saturday. Don't get me wrong, Kilmarnock had a good amount of the possession, but they didn't really threaten the goal mouth too much. There was one nervous bit in the second half, which Danny Devine did really well to clear the ball with a spectacular overhead kick in the zone six-yard box. And there was a long-range drive uh, during the first half, which Mark Rogers had to tip on to the left post, I think it was. But apart from that, Cali Thistle dealt with them pretty well. They got a game plan and they just worked it. Got a fantastic uh, fifth-minute goal. I don't know if you've seen it. Michael Gardine, great strike. Um, he had options because it looked like he was held up by the defence and he had Roddy McGregor to his left and he had Mari Duku to his right. But he said, no, nope, I'll take care of this and absolutely belted it into the top left corner. But four out of four, 12 points out of 12. Cali Fissel in the driving seat. Could be argued it's, it's a shame it's this SPFL Trust Trophy tomorrow. The momentum's taken away a wee bit, but the squad seem to be relishing the, just the, the wee change of scene and uh, just sitting back and enjoying the successes of their labour so far. I guess it's only losing momentum if they don't win against Bucky in the SPFL Trust Trophy. Uh, otherwise, it's just five wins in a row and, and they can keep that positivity going but you were chatting to Roddy McGregor earlier this week who was basically making that exact point wasn't he that it's a nice change of scenery they'll be looking to go and win but he's definitely not taking anything for granted against a Highland League team well he played against them in the Scottish Cup second round I think it was in March but they needed a, a goal four minutes from time I think it was Daniel Mackay scored the winner to see off Bucky Fissel and Bucky Fissel there's no mugs they're a good, good team. They're challenging for the Highland League title. Three points behind Fraserburgh. Should have beaten Fraserburgh uh, last week. 
I think Frisborough needed like an injury time leveller to stay top of the league. But the thing about Bucky Fissles, they are scoring goals for fun. They scored 10 against Keith. Even more impressively, they went to Fort Martin United, who were one of the big guns in the Highland League and thrashed them 5-1. And Cali Fissel haven't forgotten how tricky Bucky Fissel were uh, in the Scottish Cup. They've got home advantage this time. There'll be a crowd as well. But, uh, pardon the pun, Mark McGregor won't be looking to be stung by Bucky Fissel this weekend. You can say the same for Bucky Fissel against Cali Fissel, I suppose. The pun works both ways. Absolutely. I was at that game earlier in the year in the Scottish Cup and... Look, I may end up being completely wrong in saying this because home advantage might end up being more of a factor than I'm anticipating, but I suspect Bucky Thistle are going to give them more of a challenge this time around. It's quite easy to forget, looking back on last season, that even though like Sabroa Rangers beat Hearts and Bucky Thistle pushed Cali Thistle all the way, they'd barely played when that game came about. They had guys who weren't in the squad because of not even having COVID, not even isolating, but just not being around football because they were scared of getting it and affecting their day jobs. Bucky are going to be much sharper this time around. They're going to be much fitter this time around. And like you say, it was a last minute goal near enough that won it for Cali Thistle. Bucky will be desperate not to let that happen again this time. I think home advantage might be a, an element this time with a crowd as well. And with Cali Thistle, let's face it, doing a lot better than they were last season as well. However, Billy Dodge says he probably might look to bring the changes this weekend. And you can understand why he's doing that. You know, let's face it, at the end of the day, what would Cali Thistle rather win? The league or the trust trophy? Although, you know, if they, if they too lose tomorrow, it'll be seen as a huge embarrassment uh, losing to a team from the Highland League. Some people don't like us saying this, but it's a full-time team against a part-time team. You'd think on paper that... Uh, Cali Fissel should be winning this easily. People say that about Arbroath, but there's a part-time Arbroath team and there's a part-time Highland League team. I think there's still a difference between there. I would imagine Cali Fissel to win this quite comfortably tomorrow. When I say comfortably, three, maybe four. I'm not expecting nine or ten. That'd be ridiculous because Bucky Fissel are a d- decent side. Probably a League Two quality. I'll go as far as that. But I'd be surprised if it's not three or four goal margin. You did touch on something there, though, that I was going to bring up anyway. Of course, Cali Thistle will be prioritising promotion from the Championship this year. But where does this competition stand on their agenda? They've won it twice in the last three years, technically. So, you know, is this something that they will be quite keen to get success in, do you think? Or is it just another few games at this point of the season until they get to the latter stages, if they get there? They'll definitely take it seriously. Um, Whoever's playing tomorrow will be wanting to win it. But if the result does go the other way, I think it'll be treated a bit like when Hearts got beat by Broda Rangers in the Scottish Cup. Yes, it was embarrassing and it shouldn't have happened. But hey, we won the league. Let's forget about it. That's, that's what's important to us now. We're back in the Premiership. And I'm sure Cali Fissel are saying the same thing. We want to get back to the Premiership. you know. And they've got a chance now. They've got a fantastic chance of doing that. They've, they've went to Kilmarnock and beat them. So they'll be saying, you know what? If we can beat Kilparnock, we can beat anybody in the league. Um, you know, and you look at how the league's going so far. It's Kilmarnock and Partick Fistler are three points behind. Are both fourth, aren't they? They, they did fantastic. My tip for the title, Dunfermline Athletic, bottom with all their German investment. So they've got, I think it's a 10, 11 point advantage over the authority, which is nuts. 
So Cali Fissel, I know it's early days, but Cali Fissel will be looking and saying, yeah, this is a winnable league now. So I do envisage a lot of chopping and changing for tomorrow's game. They'll still be looking to win, but if they're defeated, I don't think there'll be a black mark on Billy Dodds' uh, character because I think it's Park Fissel's next league game. If they do get shocked by Bucky Fissel tomorrow and then go and beat Park Fissel next week, oh well, let's move on. But they will be taking tomorrow seriously, no doubt about that. Like you say, Inverness will be absolutely desperate to get back up to the Premiership this season. Obviously, Ross County are already there, and I thought it was quite a good result for them, actually, at Pataudry. They played pretty well. Aberdeen needed a late goal to get back on level terms and deny Ross County three points, and I suppose the Staggies would have been quite disappointed with that. Saw you were there, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. Working no, around that, yeah. I ended up doing a double whammy last weekend. Thanks, Hendo. I was on annual leave, okay? As far as I was concerned, it was fine. But yeah, I, I was waiting to see how long it would be before you brought that up. In the sports team dictionary, holiday is a word that isn't included. I was really impressed with Ross County. I don't know what you thought, but deservedly took the lead. More than held their own in the second half as well. And really unfortunate to concede a late equaliser. It was a bit of a walking wounded at the end. Uh, David Cancola off, Reagan Charles Cook off, and Connor Randall off. But, you know, they had chances, and uh, I think Aberdeen were very lucky. I don't know how you thought, felt about it. I think Aberdeen were poor, to be honest, on the day, and that's possibly putting it lightly. But that should take nothing away from Ross County showing signs of progress compared to last season, even compared to the first couple of games they played this year. Defensively, they were extremely solid. They made life really tough for Aberdeen going forward. And this is with a centre midfielder playing left-back as well. You know, Ben Payton, Marky Mackay was talking about him in press conferences this week. He did not look out of place whatsoever, even playing out of position in that back line. And they looked a threat on the counter-attack. That, for me, is how I saw the game going, that Aberdeen had more possession, as you might expect. But Ross County looked like they could go and score goals when the opportunities arose. Hmm. Charles Cook, I thought, had a good game. I thought he had a really good game, deserved his goal. Uh, it was a shame to see him go off, but that was just cramp. He's been back in training this week already, so there's no concerns there going forward. David Cancola is going to be a couple of weeks, I suppose, based on the timeline. He has an outside chance of playing against, I think it's Celtic next weekend. Connor Randall, we're still waiting for a little bit more detail on. But overall, even though they didn't get three points, I thought it was a pretty good day at the office for Ross County. Yeah. Uh, sung his praises last season, and I'll sing his praises again at Petaudry. What a difference Blair Spittle is when you have him in your team. Great in midfield, but not only that, he was good in the wing. He was the guy that was delivering the crosses into the box, setting up the chances for like Jordan White and Ross Callaghan, who unfortunately didn't uh, take them on the day. But he is just instrumental to Ross County's success. He was captain as well, wasn't, wasn't he? I was a little bit surprised to see that, to be honest, walking out of the tunnel and, and seeing number seven with the armband. It's like, oh, OK, that's not where I saw that going with Keith Watson being on the bench. But I think it just goes to prove the point you're making there, that he has become such an important part of this side. Even though he's not old by any means, I think he's mid-20s, he still has that key role and he's still a leader on the pitch already for this Ross County team. He gives Ross County confidence, which maybe was missing last season when he wasn't there. Yogi, who's brought him back, and he was one of the players, along with Jordan White last season, that made the difference. And you could tell that he was making the difference again. Even against Rangers, I thought uh, he was the guy that was just driving forward. He was the orchestrator. And he just, 
he didn't look at a place with the captain's armband. Um, I think he's a leader. I think he's someone that the other players look up to for guidance. And it was just another great performance. He is going to be Ross County's most important player this season, regardless of all the new signings that have come in. But you know I rate him so highly anyway, don't you? Yeah. But as, as do you, if I can be fair to say. Well, you talk about the new signings there, Will. It was obviously deadline day a couple of days after the Aberdeen game, and there was a little bit of late activity with Ross County. They brought in Alex Samuel from Wickham Wanderers. They let Ollie Shaw go on a permanent deal to Kilmarnock. And even after the window closed, lower league teams could still put together loan deals. So Tom Gravosti has gone to Elgin City until January. What do you make of this transfer window as a whole? Malky Mackay was pretty keen to tell us on the press conferences that 16 players out in the end, 12 players in. It's been a summer of change in pretty much all regards in Dingwall. Do you think it's a success? It remains to be seen. I, I still believe you cannot really judge Ross County until after the Celtic game. Um, because it was such a tough start for them. But they've got a point off St. Johnston. Let's um, not be scoffed at. Hibs, they were taught a bit of a lesson. I know they improved in the second half, but that first half they got a real doing. Against Rangers, it was, it was a good, perform- good performance. Even though they conceded four goals and Rangers threatened to just run away with the game, they came back into it. You know, maybe last season it could have been 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. And it ended 4-2. And they were in the game with five minutes to go. And against Aberdeen, I was impressed. So even though they haven't won a game yet, there's a lot to be promised that uh, Ross County can have a good season. Two out points out of five games. I know it's not great, but they're no bottom, are they? So no wins yet, but performance-wise, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. Yeah, you're just going to have to be patient, aren't you, as a Ross County fan, for that first win. And I asked you the question there, Will, about transfers. We've obviously talked quite a lot about Ross County's strategy before now. With the window closing, we thought it was about right to go back to Malky Mackay this week in the press conferences and ask him what he thought about the window as a whole. Here is a little bit, at least, about what he had to say. Having been involved in this over a number of years, um, you have to hold your nerve over a period of weeks and the knowledge that you're trying to get players and you're talking to clubs, you're talking to players and talking to agents um, and, and they're looking to see what's out there as well and clubs at certain points are not looking to let go until they have won in and it sometimes can be a domino effect you know and you can be frustrated because I would have loved to get Jack Baldwin and Alex Samuel in four weeks ago but four weeks ago they weren't available um, but you talk to both players clubs and, and agents and there's, there's always that thought that who might become available. There's some that might become available. So, you know, I knew that we'd have to be patient because in the last week or so, certain ones come up um, that you're looking at and experienced players can come up and it's like anything, clubs won't allow to leave until they get one to go in. For example, Ollie, Ollie Shaw is one that um, we've the host of clubs queuing for. Um, and it wasn't right for us to let him go at that point. Um, whereas in the last couple of days, that was the correct thing for us to do. Alex Samuel comes in. So that's the bit about the last minute business that um, you've got to be clued in on. You've got to have had loads of conversations with people so you kind of know where there's a lot of piece, chess pieces sitting. It's not the, what you, what you don't want to get to is the last minute where somebody's phoning you up out of the blue and you're taking a gamble or a punt on something that you've not even you've not even had a conversation about, and 
try um, but you do a bit of homework on people and you, you kind of know where certain so there was another one that, that didn't uh, transpire because of a situation at their club that, that we were looking at um, as well as well as Alex um, but delighted that um, that we did uh, had a good conversation with Wickham real good conversation with Gareth Ainsworth who's a friend of mine and, and we had a good chat about, about Alex um, and then spoke to the agent and had a real long conversation with Alex myself as well so to get a player in who's um, got bags of experience in English football um, and who played in the playoff final last year I'll take that all day long It was the point in the middle of that that I really wanted to share that clip for because I know it's quite easy to look at a deadline day signing and wonder if it's a panic buy by the sounds of it, Ross County have been tracking Alex Samuel for quite a while. They actually made contact with Wickham last week. It's over a week ago now when you'll be hearing this that they've approached the club about bringing Alex Samuel in. So this wasn't a, right, it's deadline day, Ollie Shaw's leaving, who can we get in? This was a player Malky McKay wanted weeks ago that they just couldn't get over the line until the last minute for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look at Ross County's transfer business uh, during the summer. It's been a departure of what it's been before. There have been no, uh, let's get the signings in early doors. Malky Mackay has obviously taken his time, done his research and looked at up the pros and cons of each of the signings before um, committing to making a bid and uh, officially making them Ross County players. To be honest, I'm still trying to educate myself about his new signings as well because pretty much apart from Ross Callaghan, I've never really heard of most of these players before. I don't know about you. Just uh, looking at uh, last week's uh, team and their bench, Ashley Maynard Brewer, Jack Baldwin, Dominic Samuel, Alexander Robertson, Joseph Hungbo, even Harry Clark, I suppose, at Arsenal. Those names were alien to me. And so to really judge how good they are and how good they could be, I've got to see them more in action. To be fair, I've seen I've seen Harry Clark in action. He, he, he seems like quite a decent defender. And quite a threat of set pieces as well. He could be a good acquisition. But the rest, I've got to reserve my judgment until I've seen them more, if they can. Because it's a brand new team. I think uh, Malky said it himself. It's it's like a brand new club, uh, reading in one of your articles. I think that's what he said, wasn't it? Yeah, that pretty much word for word is what he said. It's a brand new club just with the amount of turnover there's been this summer. Look, there's, there's loads of stuff in the North Star and the Rosher Journal this week about Ross County, and there will be more to come online and even into next week as well. Just to your point there, Will, there's some of the guys that have come in, I knew the names of, but I didn't know much about them. I'd never seen them play before. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you. We're just going to have to wait and see a little bit with a lot of those to see just how good they actually are. Mentioned Ollie Shaw went out on deadline day. Another one that left right towards the end of the window was Ryan McClemon, one of the youngsters that had played a bit of a part in pre-season and I think through the League Cup as well, even though there's only a couple of games there. He's gone to Clack McCudden on loan. And what a run Clack are suddenly on. Five league games unbeaten. Where did this come from? It came from getting hammered 4-0 by Stras Bay in the North of Scotland Cup quarterfinal. I can only imagine the bollocking manager Jordan McDonald gave his team after that. And sometimes, you know, it can a wake-up call can be good for a club. Because how many games have you said undefeated now? Six, is it? Five in the league that I've I've got. I think it's three wins, two draws. Which yeah, based on Clack in the last couple of years, you know, they would have dreamed of this sort of thing at any point since Ian Polworth left. Oh, I, I mean, to be honest, it would have been beyond the realms of possibility. 
Uh, sorry, Clark, man, that's a bit harsh for me. We're but, making it sound it, like the last few years have been really awful, haven't we? <laughs> well, they've not they've not been in the top half of the Highland League since 2013. I I always make a point of that in my Highland League preview. But there's a cautious optimism that might be about to change this season because they're beating the teams that are usually um, in the bottom half of the table. They beat Tariff United. They beat in, they went to Lossy Mouth, a resurgent Lossy Mouth. Well, I'm saying a resurgent Lossy Mouth. They started losing a lot of games again. <laughs> but they went to Lossy Mouth and won. But they're even going to like Forest Mechanics, uh, Wick Academy, teams that are traditionally going for like top half of the table and getting results there as well, getting good points. Who, who's who's number five? It's escaped my memory. You said Lossy Mouth, Forest, Wick. They beat Strathspey in the league. Did you say that? They beat Strathspey. Strathspey, sorry. It escaped my memory because of of the North of Scotland Cup. Yeah, it was the back-to-back games there. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And now they're getting some good signings on loan as well from Cali Fissel. Uh, Andros County. You know, Jordan's doing a good job. Let's give him some credit here. He's taking the squad by the scuff of the neck. Yes, they conceded five against Inveruri in the first game and they conceded five against Huntley in the second game. But apart from the North of Scotland Cup doing to Strass Bay, Clarkley-Codden are looking pretty good. It's been a long time since we could say that in Merkinch. I thought it was a great line from Jordan when I talked to him earlier this week that after those first two games, a lot of people probably would have thought that it was never going to click for them and it was never going to work. But here we are. I think they're currently sitting ninth in the Highland League table, which is just inside the top half. So this could be their best year for a long, long time. And it's not just good news on the pitch, good news off the pitch as well. I mentioned a couple of the transfers. They've done a lot of work in the last week with signing their current players up to new contracts. Not on the least, James Anderson. What a start he's had to the season. Seven goals in seven games, as Jordan McDonald was saying to me earlier this week. Five assists as well. He's not just a goal scorer. He's an yeah. all-round striker that's leading the line to great effect at Grand Street. Yeah, but I think Clark, they couldn't have finally found their answers to finding a striker that can score goals. It has been missing at Grand Street Park over the years. Scott Dunn did not a bad job, to be fair, but James Anderson... Young guy, uh, and great story as well that he's come back from illness to do so uh, well uh, for Clark Nicodin. He could be their main guy uh, this season. And just in a season where relegation has been introduced to the Highland League, some people in previous seasons might have said Clark were in danger uh, of being that team. But uh, with James Anderson's performances and Sean Sutherland as well, I think deserves a mention. He's really impressed me too as well as Ali Gillis and Ross Logan. Clarkley couldn't have some really good young talent in their team. And maybe in the, they've, they've been playing it for a couple of seasons now, and maybe they were too young to get positive results in the past, but may, maybe this is the season when where they become men, Hendo, where they become men, and uh, start getting positive results and making sure that uh, Clarkley couldn't can have one of their best seasons in a very, very long time. They'll be hoping the form continues away at Keith, I believe, tomorrow. Nairn County are at home against Forest. That's going to be a really interesting one because neither of those teams have started the way they would have liked. It's just kind of been the same old story for Ronnie Sharp the last couple of weeks. It's conceding quick goals, still waiting for some guys to come back from injury. We're just sort of waiting for things to really ramp up and get going at Station Park. And what's worse for Nairn County, they've lost one of their top players in Max Ewan who has signed for Brewer Rangers in a three-year deal. Um, Nairn's loss is certainly Brewer's gain because Max Ewan is one of the top young players in the league. 
And when I saw him against Fraserburgh a few weeks ago at Station Park, he was Nairn's best player that day, scored an absolute screamer. So I think Nairn did get a fee for him, so maybe they can attract a good replacement. They've still got Scott Davidson, very, very good striker. So they've got the players there to turn it around. Connor Gethins as well. Connor Gethins as well with his experience. But um, it's not been a great start to Nairn. When you look at the players they have at their disposal, you'd expect better and not to be where they are uh, languishing towards the, towards the bottom of the league. Not bottom of the league, but towards the bottom of the league. They got a great result at Keefe to start the season, and I think they got a great point at Rothfuss, but their home form has been diabolical. They haven't won a, Well, they've lost every game at home so far this season, and that's not near like. There's plenty of time for them to turn that around. It's still early days in the Highland League after all. But it's even earlier days in the North Cali League. I think we are talking a couple of weeks ago about that, coming back and getting the first few games going. And even though we're really early on, we've got an Inverness derby. Inverness Athletic, as it's turned out, are going to be hosting Loch Ness. It's always a good match with these two, isn't it? But with this year, back to one division in the North Cali League, first time these two are facing each other in a few months. This is one to watch this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, an Inverness derby in Ardisier. I was going to bring that up at some point. It's an Inverness derby while neither of the two teams are actually going to be based in Inverness this season. I, I, I don't, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to sound jestful about that. I just, I just like the fact there's an Inverness derby not taking place in Inverness, but there's reasons for that, to be fair. Inverness Athletic will be looking to at least find their first win at their new home in Ardisier, because I think they were expected to win last uh, week, but they went down to, I think it was a final minute goal. Uh, Orkney won 3-2 which is not the start that they wanted. Whereas Loch Ness, fantastic result in Furso with a 3-1 victory. Uh, a depleted Loch Ness squad as well, which uh, really pleased manager Shane Carlin because it just showed how much strength and depth that he has. Yeah, Loch Ness as well, I've got to say. They're look, looking for a new home, probably moving to Ireland, North Keswick or for Trows, which is a bit of a shame that uh, Inverness football clubs can't find homes in Inverness. But that's a different story. Um, you know that, that that's something that's my opinion, not anybody else's. But it should be if you can get to Ardisia, go along because it promises to be a great game. And uh, as Inverness Athletic Manager Jason Golubek said, it promises to be full of blood and snotters. Oh, wow. Okay. So really figuring this one up then this week. Yeah. Like I said, I don't I don't mean to sound flippant about the football pitch situation, but it's been a problem for years, uh, which really saddens me. You know, I'm going back to Inverness City as well uh, with the whole list of park situation. They weren't allowed to fence a pitch around Buck Park anymore and it kind of resulted in them disappearing. They couldn't run a football club anymore. It's just something that I would like to see improved. Um, not for one second do I blame Inverness Athletic or Loch Ness for taking the action they are doing. They've got to find somewhere to play. That's fair enough. Be more be done to help football clubs in Inverness stay in Inverness. Absolutely, but exactly what I'm not entirely sure because we had this conversation earlier in the week off air. And when we're talking about it, I was even thinking about Cali Thistle's women's team. You know, they've been bounced around three or four different pitches over the last year, again, for various different reasons. And they're not the only ones that have had that issue, as we've seen now with the North Cali. I don't know, as I say, whose responsibility it is to keep up the facilities if a lot of them are privately owned, if it's High Life Highland. There's obviously Buck Park, which there must be a reason neither Inverness Athletic or Loch Ness want to go there and play their games. So uh, this is a much, much bigger issue than just these two teams. And 
I don't know exactly what the solution is, but it just feels like something that you want to see more done about, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I should stress, neither of these clubs have raised any problems with this at all. This is completely my own opinion. But I, I just feel that more could be done to help football clubs stay in Inverness. One of the pitches that a couple of those teams we mentioned actually have played at before is Canal Park. And, well, this is the first time we're able to talk about rugby because the, part of the reason football isn't being played at Canal Park this season is that Highland now have three teams. So it's going to be packed out on a Saturday. And starting this weekend, tomorrow, the first are at home against Ayr. The second are away to Ross Sutherland in North Cali too. And the thirds are at home as well against Alan Seconds. I mean, I know you're quite into your rugby. Yeah. Isn't it just great to have competitive club action back on a regular basis after a full 18 months away? Oh, to be honest, I can't remember our, the last time I really spoke to the coaches um, at uh, Highland or Ross Sutherland, apart from maybe the last week or two. When I spoke to Dave Carson earlier this week, he answered the phone by saying Happy New Year. And I think it's genuinely probably the end of last year was the last time I properly spoke to him. So yeah. that's just exactly your point. It has been that long. The last competitive rugby game, March 2020. Yeah. It's been a long wait. They, they did try some regionalised leagues. They wanted to start in January, but then the second wave of the pandemic hit and that blew it all away. But uh, it's back and it's not a regionalised league either. It's National League. It's proper stuff. It's a chance for Highland to realise their dream of getting into the top flight of Scottish club rugby. It's something that I'm going to have to learn again because, you know, we don't really know what kind of state all the squads are in. We don't know what kind of form they're in. You can't really judge it in pre-seasons, can you? Because in the pre-season games, clubs haven't really been playing 80 minutes of rugby. It's been more 20-minute quarters. So you can't really judge it on that, can you? And they're not really going full into it. But it's great it's back um, because that was the one thing about the pandemic. Highland were hit really hard because they were on a crest of a wave. They were bringing so much to rugby in Inverness. Canal Park, it deserves to be full to the rafters on Saturday. Celebrating not just Highland playing again, but just rugby coming back. Inverness, Craig Dignan, I'm, I'm not going to forget them. They start next weekend, but rugby's back. Hurry. I was going to mention Craig Dignan at some point. You're absolutely right. They're not in action this weekend, which is why I didn't mention them in the little rundown there. But while I was smiling as you were talking there, because a lot of what you just said actually came up in my conversation with Dave Carson earlier on this week. So here is what he had to say a little bit about the league and what they're hoping to achieve this year. Thank you. 
on the face of it, it sounds like quite big talk from Dave Carson there, doesn't it? Talk about the league being stronger, the Super 6 sides being stronger, but yet they still want to get promoted. They still want to play in the Premiership. They want to win every single one of their home games. And knowing what Highland have been like the last couple of years, they rise to that challenge. So you wouldn't really expect anything less from Dave Carson, would you? Don't get me started on that Super 6 nonsense. That's, that's a different story. I wasn't planning on getting you started on that Super 6. No, you, no, you mentioned the Super 6, and then immediately I went in a bad mood. Um, yeah, Highland, they're an ambitious club, and like Dave Carson said, they were in third place before the, the season was ruled null and void. They've got a great chance if they've managed to keep their score again, but like I said, it's been a long time, so all clubs will have had the chance to maybe bring in the personnel I think the one team in that division is bigger, who were really, really screwed. I think they won the league before the pandemic ruled the division null and void. I really felt for them. They'll probably be even more fired up than Highland are to try and win promotion to the the Premiership this season. But the reaction I get from visiting teams who come to Canal Park, they're stunned by how good the setup is at Highland, as well as the team. I think that's the one thing Highland have been very good at is highlighting the popularity of rugby in Inverness and the Highlands. If they've been going the way they have been, they are certainly contenders to get one promotion this season. It'll be interesting to see how Bigger perform, but I think Highland were the only team that actually beat Bigger in the season that was suspended. I think they beat them at Canal Park, and that was the only game Bigger actually lost. So if it goes to form like the last proper season, they've certainly got a chance. And uh, with Dave Carson in the dugout, uh, he won't be accepting anything less, that's for sure. You mentioned Bigger will feel hard done by it not getting promoted with the way that season was brought to a close. It was a bit of a saving grace, it must be said, for Ross Sutherland, who were really struggling that year. And I think we're actually bottom of the table when everything got called off. It's quite handy this week because, like I said before, they were playing Highland's second team in the North Cali too. So we can roll all this into one discussion, really. Ross Sutherland feel like they're a different beast this time around. I was talking to John Mann. I've talked to club president John Scott a couple of times as well over the pandemic. They've totally revamped their entire coaching team. There's now six of them rather than just having John Mann trying to do everything. There's a few different changes. I think I might as well just let John Mann tell you about them and also exactly why he's looking forward to this derby to kick off the season. Um, so I think they're just, you know, they're not 
in rugby. You know, I want players to have a smile on their face and, you know, be expressive. I don't want people to be conservative and just, you know, win at all costs kind of rugby. But from what we've seen in the last three weeks of playing games, you know, we can score tries from everywhere. And if we build up the more technical, physical aspects of the game, I think, you know, we could be a, a, hand, a handful for any team. I suppose looking at the first game this weekend, it's obviously a derby, it's a big one, but there'll be a team, I suppose, that will let you play that way as well. I, I mean, we were talking about this last night at training, you know, if Highland camp with, you know, a, a typical Highland team in the last couple of years that want to play from everywhere, and now we've got a team that want to play from everywhere, this could be the game of the season, because it's going to be 20 degrees on our pitches, you know, as, as fast as the pitch can be with how short the grass is and dry the pitches. You were saying earlier on, well, football fans should get out to Ardersir for the Inverness Derby there. If you're a rugby fan, get out to Invergordon, because by all accounts, they're expecting it to be an absolutely cracking game for the neutral to watch. There's nothing like a derby to get a good crowd. And uh, yeah, if you're a rugby fan, especially if you're a Rosher, go along to Invergordon and uh, enjoy it, get a great 80 minutes. And have a look at the clubhouse as well. I know it's not finished, but it's quite impressive. But yeah, Ross Sutherland, as I said about Highland, dying to get back and will be looking to prove a point. I'm not going to say fortunate because that'd be the wrong word to use. But if it wasn't for the pandemic uh, ruling the season null and void, Ross Sutherland more than likely would have been relegated to Caledonia in North 3. So I think they've taken the lessons from that season because it, it wasn't great. And uh, John Mann, he's a good coach, and with the additional help he has this season, I'm sure that they'll be looking for a much improved performance and uh, hopefully challenging for promotion this season. Yeah, we talk about the impact Highland have had on rugby in the area. Ross Sutherland have some very similar plans in a lot of ways. They really want to expand and make a game for all. They're talking about a second team coming into Cali North 4 as well, where Highland's third team will be playing I'm sure we can talk about all those plans as and when they actually come to fruition in the future. But like you said, it's just great to see rugby back and hopefully it's going to be a successful year. I know Highland are talking about trying to win or at least be at the top end of all the leagues they're in. If things go as well as John Mann's suggesting, they might there. Who knows? Ross Sutherland might be up there as well. I'm looking forward to keeping up with that. And it's probably going to become a regular part of these podcasts now talking about what's going on in rugby after so long without. And That's just good fun for us because it's really good talking to those guys again. Well, we've talked a lot about football and rugby. I'm not going to lie to you. That's basically all I had because it's been such a busy week. Is there anything else you want to bring up before we wrap this up? Good luck to uh, Grace McDonald from Milburn Academy, who is competing at the 2021 school games in Loughborough in a sport called Laser Run, which I've got to admit, I didn't know it was called Laser Run. I knew it as part of the modern pentathlon, mm-hmm. but I always thought it was two separate events. And technically it is. You're on 400 metres and then you do shooting at a target 10 metres away. But I, I had no idea that uh, it was actually its own sport in its own right. I thought it was two different events, but there we go. You learn something every day in this job. Did you know it was called laser run? I couldn't have told you that, but like you, I'd seen it in the modern pentathlon, so I kind of had an idea of what it was, but... No, I couldn't have told you it was specifically called Laser Run. But yeah, absolutely. Best of luck to Grace. Yeah, I mean, she's put the miles in as well to improve her shooting. 
She can't do it in Inverness, so she travels to Aberdeen, where she's a member of the Aberdeen Athletics Club anyway, but she's also a member of the Inverness Harriers as well as Inverness Gymnastics. She's only recently taken up laser run, so it's going to be interesting to see how she fares against um, uh, other teenage athletes who maybe have more experience. But it's just something a bit different and great to hear. It's just a sport that uh, I think it's the first time I've written about it. I don't know about you. don't think so. I've written about it before. So uh, like I say, it's another one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. And uh, second coming up Cup semi-final on Saturday. Uh, love it to take on King Nisi. Uh, in Fort William. Congratulations to Kinloch Shale, I've got to say. First ever time they've made the Cabinet Cup final and they'll be playing the winners. Uh, I know it means a lot to people up in Balmacara uh, and uh, Johnston Gill and the lads. To be fair, Kinloch Shale, they've had a lot of recent success. They won the league not long ago, won the one of the cups as well, but the Cabinet Cup was arguably the most famous competition in Shinty. They've never reached a final. So that's put to bed. And uh, whoever they face later this month, I'm sure it'll be a great occasion. But good luck to love it and can you see tomorrow. Absolutely. And in that case, I think there's just enough time for a brief update on fantasy football, Will. No, I did bring it up, no. You had a decent week last time out. You were the second high scorer in the Balls and Whistles League. There you go. My non-old firm policy seems to be paying off. Well, you are seventh overall out out of nine, and I think that's about to become at least 10 in the league. But you did score 71 points, only beaten by Darren Westmacott. It's still Johnny Clark leading the way, although he has some very close competition in the league table by Stephen Shand and Alan Thompson. So there wasn't an update last week because there wasn't an episode last week. I thought it was only right I went back to that. Those three at the top of the league table are quite a way away, actually, already, because we're only a few weeks in. So let's see if we can reel them in, Will. I'm gutted Johnny's top of the league. I don't even care about winning the league, as long as I beat Johnny. Well, there are four points between those top three, but you are 53 points at the minute behind Johnny. It's a marathon, no a sprint. It absolutely is. And I believe our content editor, Andy Dixon, is actually about to join the league because it randomly reopened for entries again. So we're actually going to be able to track him every week as well as him sending me screenshots. We'll see how that one goes. But that's the update for this week. It's obviously SBFL Trust Weekend and International Weekend. So there aren't any points to be scored this weekend in the fantasy football. We'll come back to that at some point in the future. For now, I think all that's left to say is go and check out the other podcasts Highland News and Media have to offer. There's a new episode of Active Outdoors this week. Health and Lift Ness have finished season one, but they're putting up recaps and throwbacks and all that sort of thing to their first batch of episodes i'm sure they will be coming back with more in the future we'll be back next week as i was about to say always but there wasn't an episode last week yeah i've got to explain that i have to explain that apologies there was no episode last week we were called on a different business to do interviews on thursday afternoon simply we ran out of time so apologies to anyone that was expected to hear bulls and whistles but if you read the paper this week uh, any of our papers this week it was worth the sacrifice the streak will is over but like you say there's a load of absolutely fantastic content if we do say so ourselves in all of this week's newspapers so go and check that out if you want to read a little bit more about what's been going on sport around the highlands i think we've been talking long enough so i'm gonna say goodbye come back next week for an all-new episode but in the meantime thank you for listening have a good one well done Fed. 